0: I am losing my mind. We're, um,
1: it's, we're, it's the final countdown. It's the final countdown. Da-da-da.
0: So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, five days. I submit my dissertation on April 21st. Woo-hoo. Um, I am almost done. Like I have like really like two days of writing ahead of me and I will be done, done, done.
1: We just feel like we've been on this journey with you.
0: We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is like. I've been talking about it yes. for two years and writing it for six months, yeah. um, is like the honest truth yeah. of it. Um, yeah.
1: But it's... Re-
0: researching for the past year. Yeah. Um, and writing for the past six months, but it's been intensive writing. Yeah. I think in the past six weeks I've written something like 80 pages.
1: You need those blue light It's <laughs> Real know. serious. Something, something serious. Um,
0: so my document right now is like 200 pages and 65,000 words long.
1: Oof. I know. You've written a book.
0: I have and so like there's that
1: <laughs> you've written a book in six months really puts things in perspective. <laughs> I know. Don't
0: tell my committee I don't think they know about this. So it's fine. Um but then with Notre Dame yesterday too mm-hmm. which like it was an international tragedy and sad for everyone, but I think particularly for medievalists. Yeah. People I who can study do that. the Middle Ages. Yeah. And um, I
1: think yeah, I I told you earlier, like I Watched two videos and then I told myself I needed to stop. Yeah. I watched one where the French were singing hymns. Oh my goodness, that one. Watched things fall. That one was was so surreal. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Gonna need a minute. And then I watched one where the spire fell. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Okay, I can't. Yeah, this is it for me." It's so
0: much. And so, like, the good news is, like,
1: overwhelmingly.
0: uh, Overwhelmingly, things are okay. Yes. Um, the 13th century wood. Yeah. Is gone. Yeah. Um, the forest they called it because it was all each beam was cut from a single tree harvested in the 12th and 13th centuries some of them as far back as the 8th century which
1: I mean I don't want to be one of those people who like writes a think piece the day after a right. tragedy but I will say what a really um in your face reminder that everything is not here forever. Right,
0: the impermanence of beauty. Yeah,
1: and that let's see everything while we can yeah. because, and I think Americans in particular, uh, again, I don't want to get Think PC, but we don't really have anything exactly. like that. <laughs> like No, you're right. Like, Jordan and I...
0: Our country's less than 300 years old. That's right. We don't like, have we things don't like have that. We don't have
1: things, and when we went to Italy many, many moons ago, we were there so briefly, but those cathedrals yeah. are otherworldly. Yeah. Like, I don't even know... And they're
0: meant to make you feel small. Yes. Um, in a good way.
1: And we don't have very many things like that anymore. In mm. America, you know what we have like that? Natural Malls. wonder. Oh. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we went in different directions with that. You went the positive way and I didn't.
1: Yeah. Um, I, mean, I was just going to say but no, natural No, you're right. We wonders. do have a lot of
0: really interesting natural things.
1: Like, when I went to Muir Woods, I thought, okay, this is the same type of feeling right. I get. When I do step into, yeah, a cathedral, right. I guess. And those
0: things existed probably in Europe mm-hmm. and were destroyed over time yes. to make room for quote-unquote civilization, yeah. but probably in the Middle Ages, right? Yeah. Um, or at least the, like, Industrial Revolution, and we lost lots of natural things there. Um, but yeah, we still have a lot of that in the United States because we have lots of land. Mm-hmm. Um, but to Notre Dame, like, spires gone... Roof is gone. I think one of the rose windows is maybe gone. That's right. But the other ones are good. Yeah. There are three, and two of them are still safe. That's so sad. I, it is, but um, we can we can rebuild him.
1: We can, and somebody said that very thing. Was this cathedral has been destroyed twice mm-hmm. at minimum, at, at least. Yeah. Um. I the, I'm sad to say that I saw this on Twitter and not like on an actual news report, but like somebody. I think the French Revolution mm-hmm. and then and maybe, the, yeah. So.
0: And I can't imagine it didn't suffer in World War II World at all. World War II, all, I would right? think.
1: So anyway, the point being, this is what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Like something is destroyed and we take a minute, because here's the thing, you do need to grieve it. Mm-hmm. We need to grieve it. They, The French people need to grieve it. And then mm-hmm. I think th- um, their president already was like, we can, we're going to do this. We're going to
0: do this. It's we're, okay. Yeah. Um, Catholic Church is a very wealthy organization, yeah. um, so don't feel like you need to give money to restoration efforts. They yeah. don't need that. They're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. um, there are plenty of other things to give your money to, but yeah. this was a sad and horrifying thing to watch. And um, to show it to my students yesterday. like We kind of just watched it in real time for a few yeah. minutes, and it was really powerful. Yeah. So that's why I'm losing my mind this week.
1: And now we're going to talk about poetry. And now we're
0: going to talk about poetry, which I think is a great way to restore. That's right. episode 219 of from the front porch a collection of conversations on books small business and life in the south my name is chris jensen and it is the final countdown
1: and i'm annie jones owner of the bookshelf an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown thomasville georgia
0: april is national poetry month yes we i think um are self-aware about the fact that neither of us really reads poetry all that often
1: yeah i think that shows in our previous podcast episodes mm-hmm. where we've like brought in experts we've in the brought field. in experts
0: <laughs> we've talked about some things like and like i teach literature right yeah. and so like i'm very exposed to poetry i teach poetry i teach mostly medieval poetry which is a very different animal yeah but it's not something i pick up and read all that often
1: no and i feel like the tips i give every year are the same mm-hmm. um because i also am not an expert it's not something i read for fun mm-hmm. very often it is something I read and appreciated in college yeah. and it is a genre you know what And we, maybe we've talked about this before like short stories mm-hmm. it feels like you almost need a guiding light to
0: get help that. you mm-hmm.
1: and I think that's why in our store anyway and I think this could be true for a lot of independent bookstores I won't say all but um, bookstores I think, don't sell a ton of right. poetry or short stories because people think they need help reading them. Right. And I get that. Because I totally I've, get that. Because I loved poetry when I had a professor helping right. with poetry. No,
0: exactly. And it's not always accessible. No, um, it's not. But I also kind of think that part of the beauty of it and part of the... Um, point of it is often it's supposed to be challenging yeah um and unfortunately not everybody reads to be challenged right i I don't know if that's unfortunate um not everybody reads to be challenged and so poetry is not everybody's cup of tea but i do want to encourage people to branch out always um and to try things that are different from what they normally do um and especially to read diversely and to read voices that are perhaps not exactly like their own
1: yes and i think poetry is a great way to do that i think so too um because it packs a punch in such a short right page count or a short word
0: word count yeah um so where would you like to begin with this because i've got several like very recent releases um that i want to talk about that things that i'm excited about but Should we lay some kind of groundwork first?
1: Yeah, so I thought of some... I feel like... I'm glad you came prepared with... more recent releases Mm -hmm. in this genre. I feel like I come to the table with a lot of what I've come to the table with before, which is what I consider accessible poetry. Um, So Mary Oliver immediately comes to mind. And I know many, especially probably women have seen on their Instagram feeds Mm -hmm. or on Pinterest, like the wild geese or these various poems. But the fact of the matter is Mary Oliver really did create such beautiful images yeah. from the natural world and then applying them. And my favorite poetry is poetry that utilizes the natural world. Yeah. So Wendell Berry we talked about before, yeah. but Mary Oliver, her images are so beautiful. Right. And again, to me feel very accessible and maybe that's because I love the natural world. Like, I don't know why that is, yeah. but I find her to be um, refreshingly simple and yet, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, no,
0: I totally get that. Um, and for whatever reason, I never really liked Wordsworth. Mm-hmm. In high school and college, when I studied like old poetry, Wordsworth never connected with me, but all the more recent nature poets kind of did. Yeah. And I never totally understood why.
1: What is your... Do you have a favorite poem?
0: Oh, probably.
1: So I was thinking... We celebrate at the Bookshelf poem in your pocket today. Yeah. And I have to give credit to Carrie Bauman. She is somebody I have followed on the internet for years and she's a librarian and they do Poem in Your Pocket Day uh-huh. and I remember reading about that well well before I owned a bookstore. And now I love it cuz it's one of the easiest things we do like on I think it's fun. this year gosh I wanna say it's soon, it maybe the day this episode releases. Yeah, um be. but anyway, we just put one of our favorite like the staff yeah. sends their favorite poems and like we type them up really small and we roll them up and put them in everybody's bags as they check out. And you should see people like be pleasantly surprised when they are like, oh what's this? Like yeah. um and I think Books Are Magic does like a poem yeah. vending machine. And I, I think, think so that's too. really cute. Um but my favorite poem and I think about this all the time because still it's one of the few poems I memorized. And so still some of the stanzas like come back to me, yeah. almost like scripture. Yeah. And so my favorite poem is If by Rudyard Kipling. And I still love it. I know it's cliche. And I know it's very high school, but that's when I loved it. Sure. I um, gave a speech at my high school graduation and read. had mem- That's why I memorized that poem. And I still like have a post-it note in my office of the phrase, if you can keep your head when all about... You are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Mm. And I, as a, like, that phrasing has yeah. stuck with me forever. And that's what I love about poetry.
0: I Yeah, I have a similar relationship with it, where sometimes there are just phrasings that yes. get in your head. Yes, Um There is there's a poem by Thomas Wyatt the Elder from, like, the 1500s called Mine Own John Poins. Uh-huh. And just mine own. Uh-huh. Get sticks in my head. And yeah. there are so many times when I use that construction for no reason, yeah. but it's just like this like beautiful image yes. that has stuck in my head and that I use. If I have a favorite, I did really like Renaissance poetry when I was in college. Um, John Donne is maybe uh-huh. one of my favorites. We just
1: got a collection of his. Ears. Oh my
0: goodness. I love him because yeah. you, you can kind of watch his growth as a person by reading his poetry mm-hmm. because he... Writes all this like dirty sex poetry when he's a young man, but then later he becomes a priest. Yeah. Um then he writes this like these philosophical puzzle boxes that are also prayers. Yeah. Um and it's like batter my heart, three-person god. Um
1: which is what a great that's a great phrase. Right. <laughs> that's really good.
0: For you as yet but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend. Like there it's it's so beautiful. And then he like takes that imagery halfway through the poem and like intensifies it, and yeah. it's like not knock breathe shine and seek to mend but break blow burn and make me new and i'm like that's a gorgeous poem yeah um i also really love his poem death be not proud uh-huh. though some have called thee mighty and dreadful for though are not so i've memorized that one a long time ago too um let's see i really like percy shelley ode to the west wind okay um i really like ozymandias um of the romantics shelley is definitely my favorite for many reasons um I love John Milton, Paradise Lost is one poem. Yes, can you believe that? <laughs> I can. <laughs> um, in 12 books, but one poem. He also has several shorter lyrics, like, um, When I beheld My Late Espoused Saint, which is about his blindness, mm-hmm. and then seeing his dead wife in a dream, and mm-hmm. it's the only time he's been able to see her.
1: I think of Dante, mm-hmm. and I think of, we had to memorize some of that in Italian when mm-hmm. we did our little, very brief um trip to italy and still to this day even that italian phrasing sticks out to me Um, yeah i still have it yeah i still have it memorized um lucy and i both were trying to convince olivia because olivia is compiling the poems for Poem Uh in your pocket day and one of lucy's poems she sent was too long and i was like which one is it or olivia thought it was too long and um which to be fair olivia's probably right but Lucy was like, it's The Lanyard by Billy Collins. And I was like, no, uh, we must keep yes, that in. Yes, we need
0: Billy Collins. <laughs> we,
1: need, we have to keep it in. And Olivia was looking at us like, what? And we were like, read it, Olivia. We'll read it to you. Like, <laughs> We'll dramatically read it for you. And um, we were trying to convince her that yeah. it was worth being typed up really small. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> put, a, put um, in a poem. Probably. I
0: think I did a similar thing a couple years ago with... Um, Adrian Rich's Orion Uh another one of my favorites but it's like just slightly too long for a poem in your pocket and I was like let's type it small let's just
1: make it eight point (laughs) I um, and again going back to Mary Oliver like like some of that phrasing like wild and precious life you see people reference all the time like Mm -hmm. what will you do with your one wild and precious life but I love that phrasing and it sticks out for a reason and um, I think about the Psalms of David Mm -hmm. like those are poetry yes they are like they and to this day, I'll read some. And first of all, as a kid, I memorized a lot of yeah, those. Yeah, same. Um, but they're like, I think we forget that poetry's poetry is like song, and so when we read it, it sticks with us in a way that prose just can't. Yeah, it's prose doesn't always right. have that power. Right.
0: It's that lyricism that is yeah. like meant to to yeah. resonate inside you and like just vibrate so, and become part of you.
1: So I always talk about the Emily books instead of the Anne books. I love Mm -hmm. Anne Shirley very much, but I also really love this trilogy that Ellen Montgomery did. Right. And in one of the books, there's a poem, and now maybe I'll find it and Chris can put it in the show notes, but um, it is, Ellen Montgomery did this really good job, and really so did Louise May Alcott, of sticking in these random lines of poetry Mm -hmm. in their books. And I think um, now we see a lot of authors do this with their epithet, epigraphs with their epigraphs at the front Mm -hmm. um you'll see them kind of quote a line or two of poetry but there's this poem that Ellen Montgomery kind of uses to push Emily forward to become a writer Mm -hmm. and it I think about it all the time and it talks about writing her name on like fame's I, I wish I could quote it like writing her name on fame's um basically ledger or mm-hmm. something and it's about her wanting to be a writer and it's about ambition yeah and it's a really beautiful poem and i used to think that like ellen montgomery had written that and then i think probably as an adult i googled it and realized yeah. oh i think it's oh, a poem yeah. like that she sneaked in and really did some cool things with so that to me is why poetry has staying power
0: i think readers who aren't familiar with poetry would be shocked how many book titles are lines from poems yes um one i didn't know about until this week when I was looking up something else related to my dissertation um, is The End We Start From. That mm. book that we both love yes. is paraphrased from a T.S. Eliot line uh-huh. um, called Little Gidding, which is the fourth of his quartets, um, which is a poem all about like salvation and power and like all these interesting things, but it's the end is where we start from. Mm. And it's how we kind of find our, our beginning in the idea I of really like how him. the world's gonna end. I love Eliot. Um I know that Elliot has some problematic politics yeah um he was essentially a Nazi sympathizer in some of his but some I of his later work or his earlier the, work we but... read the
1: wasteland and grace we mm-hmm. I, I mean I loved it was powerful it is
0: powerful um proof Rock, love Sung jail for proof Rock sticks in my head yeah. a lot
1: yeah
0: um that's another I, I think I would list that as one of my favorite films.
1: so we <laughs> I have to say because you talked about John Don we yeah. got in these really beautiful, and this is what I wanted to tell people because one of the tips I have given previously mm-hmm. is like to read a poem every day yeah. or like keep a poetry book by your right. bed. So we just got in these Everyman's Library Pocket Poets collection, really and we've carried them before, but we just got a nice little selection in for April. And I have loved flipping through them, and some of them are so familiar to me. I forget, yeah. I forget, and kudos to my. Pretty conservative little elementary school I grew up going to, and my middle school, because mm-hmm. I actually do did learn a lot of poetry, and I didn't yeah. realize it until I flipped through some of these. Um, they're just lovely little collections. If you want to read kind of classic poetry, right. like Emily Dickinson has a lovely collection. Um, I and I've mentioned before, like. Caroline Kennedy actually has yep. done a really pretty compilation. But Emily Dickinson, John Donne, Longfellow, um, Robert Frost. Robert we, is, Frost
0: is wonderful. Yeah.
1: So those are good places. We mentioned Billy Collins. I also wanted to mention kids poetry. Yeah. So we have, I
0: love Shel Silverstein yes. growing up. Yes.
1: Well, that's what Olivia, she was like, I think I'm just going to have to do Shel Silverstein for Poem in Your Pocket. Right. like, that's exactly right. Like, if you do, that's great. Like, we love Shel Silverstein. Yeah. Poem. Um the work of dr seuss like i Uh love that um rhyming and those rhyming schemes help kids i think ultimately learn to read i really do they they really capture the Uh rhythm of it but i was thinking we got this new beautiful book in called a year of nature poems and it's for kids the illustrations are gorgeous poetry books for kids are really great because they include like one poem this book covers like birds and spring Uh and summer like there are probably a few different poems uh Poem books we've carried in the past for kids that have these really gorgeous illustrations, and you could read again one every night with your right. kids or something like that. And then the last one I wanted to mention because I think it'd make a great gift and it's cheesy, but I actually think it'd make a great graduation gift and it's not as cheesy as it first looks is called A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's um, Mr. Rogers' poetry. Mm-hmm. And man, I don't know, I was not even the biggest Mr. Rogers fan my brother was. Right. Um, but the, poem, the poems that are included in this work bring to mind the songs he would sing with like Daniel right. Tiger and all that stuff about being worthy mm-hmm. and being important. And gosh, they just give me goosebumps yeah. still. And it's a beautifully illustrated little book. Um, it just came out and we as a staff love it. We think it's so great. So there are ways to kind of, e- like instead of diving in, right. to kind of dip your toe in exactly. to the poetry.
0: Because... As we talked about at the beginning of the episode, I think a lot of readers are scared of poetry. They are afraid that it might make them feel stupid because they don't get it. But there is really accessible poetry out there. Um, And that might be a good way to start. What I love is, um, I think this is still true, but every Saturday we have a customer who orders a new poetry collection and comes in every Saturday to pick up the one he ordered last week That's and right. order a new one. And he does that every Saturday, every for, Saturday. for the past several years. Yeah. And yeah. he is my absolute favorite Yeah. Um, because of that, yeah. that he just wants to keep reading and yeah. keep growing and, and get all these new things. Um,
1: so talk to us about some more Exactly.
0: Because modern. what I wanted to say is that poetry, I think we are exposed to it. We are most often exposed to it in academic settings mm-hmm. um, in school when we are reading classic poetry, classic mm-hmm. literature Which is really interesting, right? Because, like, poetry doesn't seem now to be, like, the cultural force that it was 200 years ago.
1: It doesn't feel like it is. And that's a shame. I know. And maybe that's our...
0: It's because of the model of publishing, right? Um, That, like, we value... Prose more mm-hmm. than we value verse, which was not the case
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, in other eras. But
1: I think it's taken a reversal. In yeah, because I think I think poetry. I could be wrong. You know way more about this than I do. But like, it seems to me like prose was more devalued than poetry.
0: Sir, so that's especially true in the Middle Ages yeah. for sure. Like artistically, prose was like for philosophy yes. and like history maybe. But like, if you wanted to write literature, you wrote verse. Right. And then that held over all the way into the nineteenth century in a lot of ways. And now we have kind of reversed that some where yeah. prose is our force, force majeure. But poetry is still very much alive. Yeah. And poetry is still often very powerful um, and can help amplify otherwise marginalized voices who don't have necessarily the cultural capital to write or at least publish in prose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the... I think biggest collections that came out in the past few years was Ocean Vuong's Night Sky with Exit Wounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody was talking about this. It came out in 2016, I believe. Yeah. Um, It
1: was a big one for us. Yeah. We we have gotten better at selling poetry, but that is not something that we have always done really well with. And so when we have a bestseller...
0: We stock it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that Um, was one of them. That was
0: one of them. He has a new book coming out in June that's actually a novel, um, but it's being described by Penguin as a novel with poetry.
1: I'm so curious about this because I think right. I have a copy of this book somewhere. Because he, I did not get to go to Winter Institute this mm-hmm. year, but he gave a lovely little um, talk or toast. It was it was a brief um, kind of speech he gave about the importance of indie bookstores, and it was lovely. Yeah. And this book, you're already starting to see. I think it's one we're going to see on Instagram a lot. Yeah, um, but, for sure. But I, because I think it's one the publisher is really pushing, yeah. and with. For, for good, good reason, reason. Um, but I'm very curious about this concept.
0: No, it's supposed to be incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a story of mother and son. Yeah, um, which you
1: wait, you've longed for. I always <laughs> longed for, right? And yes. so I'm
0: very curious to see what this what this looks like. Um, but it's coming out in June. Um, he uh, he is one of the like big names in contemporary poetry, so yes. this is a hotly anticipated release. Yes. Um, another big one that we sold a lot of was Kava Akbar's. Calling a Wolf a Wolf. Yes. As far as I know, he does not have one coming out No. this year. not that um, I know of. Probably will in the next year or so. Yeah. Um, but his partner, Paige Lewis, does have one coming out pretty soon, um, who is also a wonderful poet. Um, I don't remember the title of that, but I will put it in the show notes because it is going to be a, a very good collection. Um, I wanted to talk about two brand new books that came out in the past year, Um, one of them in the past two months and one of them in the past six months. Um, These are FSU PhD students. Um, So these are people that I know. I want to put that out there, but they're also just beautiful books. The first one is A Family is a House by Dustin Pearson. That's a great title. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, And it's a beautiful cover too that's kind of Falling paper dolls. Oh, cool. Um, that, like, the ones that you stretch out. You yeah. Um, so not like the ones that you dress up, <laughs> but the ones that are, that yes, are connected exactly. by arms. Yes, I know Like the accordion ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dustin is a really um, thoughtful poet. His first collection came out last year called Millennial Roost that kind of dwells on um, childhood trauma and how that manifests um, as an adult and how there are things that happen to us as children that we don't always realize were bad mm. until later when we're like, oh, wait right because that to was us, it's normal well
1: well that's especially after leaving Never- neverland yeah oh like absolutely especially applicable um
0: and I, s- similar yeah um similar to kind of in the book but you don't necessarily realize that's what's happening in the book uh-huh. and it's it's crafted really well so that you kind of experience that with the narrator like just a normal event that then by the end of the book you realize was really messed up
1: yes okay
0: um and so like not for everybody right. surely like subject matter is kind of dark but it's very beautiful okay. it will make you feel things mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the things that i love most about poetry is just its effective power yes um in,
1: again in such a short
0: in such, yeah this book is 95 75 pages long right like and not that many words per page we
1: talk or i talk sometimes about books that pack a punch yeah or that leave me feeling like i've been punched in the gut or right. whatever i feel like poetry does that so
0: Yes, in concentrated. Such a,
1: yes, in such a concentrated form.
0: Absolutely. So his new book came out in March. It's called A Family as a House, um, and it deals with the idea of what is family? Mm-hmm. Like, who are our family? Is our family the people that we grew up with or the people that we are with now? Is family something that we can choose? Mm-hmm. Um, very important um, collection that just, just came out in March from CNR Press. Um, the other one I want to talk about is friend of the show Ruth Bauman.
1: Yes, you can listen to her episode she did. That was really helpful. It was really
0: insightful. Yeah. We had Ruth and um, another poet, Will Farguson, on a, two years ago. God, was that two years? Two years, years ago, ago? <laughs> um, to talk about kind of their process and why they're poets and what got them into this. Um, I'll link that in the show notes. But if you just go back a hundred episodes,
1: <laughs> I loved hearing that because I've often wondered, yeah, why slash how.
0: And they both talked about music. Yes. And about how music was so important into just the way they think about words. Is
1: that why we talked about Jewel? I feel like we yeah, talked it about Yeah, it is. Jewel we talked about Jewel and
0: um, A Knight Without Armor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Ruth's collection, Parse, came out in December. It is, again, Ruth is very open about her, her early struggles with addiction. Um, and the book is not all about that, it is just lots of. Um, meditations on the political world and also just the beauty of nature and the beauty of the fact that she has some cats that are really fun and (laughs) and weird. Um, she has a, an Instagram account for, or no, a Facebook account for one of her cats that I follow that I just think is so funny. (laughs) Um, and she is such a delightful person Mm -hmm. who is able to have overcome such darkness and then concentrate that into words in a very beautiful moving way. Um, So that's called Parse. Um, It came out in December from Black Lawrence Press. Um, The last one I want to talk about is another one coming out in June. There is a contemporary poet named Eve Ewing, and I am just in awe of her. Okay. She is a poet. She is a sociologist. She's a professor at University of Chicago, I think. She's at least in Chicago, and I think she's at University of Chicago. She also writes a book called Iron Heart for Marvel about a young black girl who reverse engineered Tony Stark's Iron Man armor okay. and became her own superhero oh, called cool. Ironheart
1: oh that's cool um,
0: she's amazing um, both Riri Williams the character and Evie Ewing who is now <laughs> writing her but just this woman who has my dream career <laughs> professor writes sociology books she has a book called Ghosts in the Schoolyard which is about the history of institutional racism in Chicago schools okay. um, that came out last year she also has a book called Electric Arches which was a poetry collection last year about kind of black girlhood and then she has a new one coming out in June called 1919. Okay. She has been called by somebody, I don't remember who, <laughs> the Zora Neale Hurston of her generation. Okay. I believe it. High
1: praise. High
0: praise, but everything I've read from her has been absolutely incredible. Okay. Um, she is... I
1: love that she kind of runs the gamut. Exactly. She doesn't get pigeonholed. She,
0: she can do everything. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, she's absolutely incredible. Um, So she has this new book coming out in June called 1919 that takes its starting point as... The Chicago race riot of 1919 and so it is this meditation on race in America but it takes these forms of like not all of them but occasionally they are like set in kind of children's rhyme Mm -hmm. she has a story or a poem that is set as like a jump rope rhyme Mm -hmm. um, that is about like what happened to this young black child in this race riot and like we're not sure did he drown just on accident? Did he jump because he accidentally got hit in the head with a rock thrown mm-hmm. by a protester? Um, was he murdered? Like, we don't know. And it's mirrored, the story's mirrored in the form, where, like, the jump rope rhyme kind of changes with every iteration of it. Oh, cool. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, really it's lyrical. Inventive. It's super inventive. And so she does lots of really brilliant stuff like that. It's hard, right? Yeah. Like, this is important subject matter yeah. Um. that's not always easy to talk about. But I think it's important to talk about. Yeah. We can't ignore it. Um, and so I'm very, very excited about this collection, 1919, that's coming out in June.
1: Awesome. I think I think at the bookshelf, we have done... I asked Olivia, like, what are our best-selling poet poetry collections or poets? And Ruby Cower is mm-hmm. one that continues to sell really well for yep. us. Um, and I know that's true. I think that's true everywhere. Like, I feel like she has really made a name for herself. Absolutely.
0: And I think she gets flack. Yeah. Um because it's it's Instagram poetry or whatever, right. but like great.
1: Whatever. Like what's wrong with that? Yeah, nothing. It's so It's
0: it's its own genre. That's
1: right. Um and then Elizabeth Alexander, mm-hmm. who was the Poet Laureate, is she still?
0: I don't think so. I don't
1: think so either. I'm trying to remember who is. Um but anyway, I,
0: I Thought it was Tracy K. Smith.
1: It is. That's right. Um
0: Who's also great. i was got to say, <laughs> that's why I just paused. Like, like wait a oh, minute. She does really, <laughs> she's also wonderful. She does really
1: great work. Um, but Elizabeth Alexander has a memoir that I want to say Michelle or Barack Obama, like mm-hmm. said, was one of their favorite books of the year a couple years ago. A Year of Light, I believe is the That title. sounds right, yeah. Um, but that would also be an interesting place to start if you're like me and you're curious about how or why a poet becomes a poet. Right. Like, how does that happen? How How does that evolve?
0: there's another book very recent on that by hanif Abdurraqib, um and i don't remember the title but it's it's a love letter to the rap group a uh, tribe called quest Uh uh-huh. um and th- this has been pretty big like this is getting hyped um but it's essentially just like a an oral history of this band that or this group that he really likes and that inspired him so much in his own writing yeah. um i haven't read it but i've heard nothing but wonderful things about it
1: i think what we're hearing is that Maybe for people like me who sometimes struggle with poetry,
0: writing prose by poets. Well,
1: and yeah, yeah. And, and also, we listen to music all day, all every the time. day, and that—that's what this is to some extent. Yeah, they're um, they're
0: intimately related. Yes,
1: and perhaps maybe that will take some of the the not stigma, but the intimidation factor. Right. Maybe that will lower that intimidation factor um, if we can put it in those terms. There's
0: a story from somebody in the FSU English department that I think I've told before on the show but I don't remember whose story it is but essentially they met Eminem mm-hmm. years and years ago um like when he was kind of at the top of his career uh-huh. um, and Eminem was really embarrassed like to be in the presence of this like English professor and whoever this professor was was like no, you were, like, one of the best living poets of our generation. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I am in awe of you. Yeah. I'm not here to correct your grammar. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. Um, and Seamus Haney, <laughs> one of the most highly regarded poets who just died a few years ago, um, I think. Is he alive? I think he died recent, Like, very recently. Um, <laughs> like said that eminem was one of his favorite living poets which is so fascinating to me which Um, is why
1: we're not going to stick our nose about rupee coward no not at all (laughs) um this
0: is this is very interesting wordplay it's it's lyricism it is next level in a lot of ways and so however you are getting your poetry yeah i'm here for it me too With all the devils of sin Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God
1: From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the books we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop.
0: Thank you so much to the band formerly known as Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album Forlorn Strangers. You can still learn more at forlornstrangers.com, but if you'd like to support the current iteration of the band, you can find them on Instagram at The Rally Club. You can also find us at our website, nope, if you would like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, from fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show, with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened.
1: Um, I don't want this to always just be like what happened at story time, but... That's fine. Last week, um, I always, or I frequently ask the kids, especially when we're like gearing up for a holiday or something like that. You know, what season are we in? Like, mm-hmm. how, how does it feel outside? Mm-hmm. Are we cold? Are we hot? Is it summer? Is it winter? So, anyway, so I was asking them that. And so I said, I think I, my phrasing for one of the questions was, What season are we in right now? And one of the kids goes, Turkey hunting season. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, Oh, boy, I really am in South Georgia. <laughs> and then I think I said, Well, I, I guess that's You're true. Not I, wrong. I don't, well, I don't I didn't even know if that was true or not. Yeah, I've I never. So no I was idea. like, I, well, I don't know. And then a little girl, was like yep it's turkey hunt season cold in the morning hot in the afternoon
0: that's so sweet that so and like so outside my worldview, but like it's like so interesting i know
1: well uh, that was a reminder that the bookshelf is indeed located in beautiful downtown, downtown thomasville <laughs> georgia that's
0: right thank you so much for listening we'll see you next week